the Jericho Network on Westwood One. Welcome to One on One with Mitchell Fawn. Joining me on this episode, it is singer Dora. We talk about her upcoming U.S. tour and special appearance at the Rock Carnival in New Jersey. We look back at working with producer and songwriter Jack Ponty, Alice Cooper members Ryan Roxy and Tommy Hendrickson. We also talk about her current release, Strong and Proud, 30 Years of Rock and Metal, which features special guest Hansi from Blind Guardian, Uli John Roth, Blaze Bailey, and a lot more. Before checking out Doro, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, Facebook one-on-one, Mitch Lafon, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon if you care to support the podcast. And now, here is the one, the only, Doro. We are speaking with Doro. Lots of great stuff coming up. She's got the uh, Strong and Proud, the Rock Carnival, the U.S. Tour. Uh, Doro, always a pleasure. Talk about the American tour because you don't get over to America and Canada nearly as much as I would like it. Um, talk to me a little bit about for you the challenges of putting together tours because you know fans will always go, "Come play my town," come. But it's not yeah. as simple as that. So, so explain the challenges that you have in playing, you know, Los Angeles or Toronto or some other cities. Yeah, we started um, doing um, many gigs in, in the beginning of this year, and we toured all over, and now we actually got, yeah, the Rock Carnival in New Jersey on the 2nd of October, and then we thought, oh man, let's, let's put some more gigs around that, and then and then we were up for um, the Chicago Farm Rock Festival, and that would have been our first gig, but the whole festival got uh, moved to December. So, yeah, so, so that's actually yeah, seven gigs we're doing now. And, actually, yeah, you know, sometimes I would love to play many, many more gigs. But, you know, you need, you know, to go to the agency, plan it all. And, you know, but at least we did, um, you know, two, two nice, uh, two nice uh, legs of, of the tour this year in the beginning and now in the end. And then next year we want to do California and Texas again. And, and, and Canada, you need Canada. Can't forget Canada. Canada, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe a full blown Canada tour, and yeah, it's um, yeah, that's, I I love touring there. We always have great gigs, diehard fans. Yeah, but um, yeah, it all needs to be planned. Like sometimes you need like four, five, six months to plan ahead, and yeah, you know. Will Will the Rock Carnival show in Jersey on October second? Uh, just be a, a kick-ass Doro show, or are you doing something different or unique or special just for that special uh, festival? Yeah, actually, yeah, we want to play all the highlights. I think we have 45 minutes, so so I definitely want to play all the songs people love, like, you know, from Burning the Witches, I will ruins all we are, Raise Your Fist, and maybe our new singer, Love's Gone to Hell, 
in Angkor, but I will check it out. If it's more like, you know, like more diehard metalheads, then maybe I put in an old school metal tool. And if I feel, you know, it calls for love's gone to hell, then I will do it. Sometimes we change the set, you know, as, as, you know when, when we're on stage and sometimes I feel it out. So, but 45 minutes, it's not long, so it's maybe eight, nine songs, and I definitely only want to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, fe- festivals are interesting because you, you get all these bands to show up and then they get sometimes half an hour or 45 minutes. I think there should yeah. be a, a one hour minimum. Now, as you know, we, we've done many interviews over the years and I've asked you all kinds of questions about the album you did with Gene Simmons and Tommy Thayer and, and Tommy Henriksen and all these people. One guy I haven't asked you about is producer Jack Ponty, who did Angels Never oh. Die and Machine to Machine. Now... Jack is absolutely f- fabulous. I mean, he's just a great everything. Um, talk to me a little bit about first about how you met him and working with him, and then we'll get into the albums and writing with him. But, but you know, he, he's done Bon Jovi, Billy Squire, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, oh, that's, um, I'm so glad you asked me that because Jack was awesome. He was yep. awesome. And I think I never had so much fun in my life doing an album. It was awesome. And yeah, I was in Nashville writing songs. I was doing the two at Heart Records. And then suddenly I got a phone call in my room in the hotel. Nobody actually knew that I was there, but you know, he did a hold of me and he said, hi, oh, it's Jack, honey, you gotta come down to New Jersey. We gotta do something together. And I said, okay. Wow, you know, that sounds great. He was full of energy, which I love that, and totally enthusiastic. And I said, Well, you know, what did you do? Or, you know, and he told me all these songs. And I said, Yeah, I work with Alice Cooper. And I said, Really? And I said, Wow, there's one song I love. It's called Love is a Loaded Gun. And Jack said, Yeah, I wrote it. And I said, Really? I said, I gotta come down. And then, you know, a couple of months later, I went to New Jersey to Tom's River. And we hit it off right away. We loved each other right away. And he's so funny, super talented. And the first day I was actually in his living room and then we wrote our first song together. And yeah, and then next day, the second song. And then I had the manager back then, Alex was his name. Alex said, hey, you know, just, you got to scale, you know. And then we did Angels Never Die, that record. Great people, great guest people. And the next, Record was Machine to Machine. Uh, uh, Slip played on it. Edit Eastern. Uh, super great people. And yeah, and Jack is uh, he's super talented. Very unique. Like he's you know he's a yeah he's yeah, like yeah he's he's uh, great. First I've never met before and will never meet after. With and super intelligent. Totally into it. But man, so funny. And we. Yeah, yeah. I still love him, and he's still lonely. I know that for sure. And, and um, I haven't seen him in a while, but you know, I hope maybe we can write some more songs together. Oh, wouldn't that be great? I so, really so, love the style. so let me ask you about the songwriting process with him. I mean, he's done Bon Jovi, Shot Through the Heart. You mentioned Love's a Loaded Gun by Alice Cooper. He's done Hey Stupid by Alice Cooper, which is a big one, and, and of course, a lot of other stuff. You were, I don't want to say you were in the beginning of your career, but it was in the earlier part of the three decades. What did he bring to the table, and, and did you take anything? I mean, did he learn from you, or did you learn from him? Oh, I think oh, I learned a lot of, I, I learned a lot from him, but, you know, 
I think maybe he learned something from me, and, and you know, it was like a, it was great chemistry, and you know, it was like yeah, like like playing together, like you know, one person said, hey, I have this idea, and the other person said, oh, okay, Mo, and I I dig it, I feel it, you know, let's do it like this. And we were always doing a little session in the studio. I had my microphone. I was singing. He was playing guitar. And what an awesome guitar player he is. I love his... I, I think he's so sexy, cool. Yeah, and then we were playing together. And then suddenly we thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. That, that could be a chorus. And just like doing it. And then the song came out. And usually the song was killer. And he has a very good feel for great melodies. His guitar playing, I love so much. And, you know, when you put, like, solos onto the song, I was always there, you know, like, jumping up and down because I was so excited. It was so, it was so cool. And, yeah, I think we, we yeah, we, we had a great couple of years. Like, I spent a long time in New Jersey and yeah. Yeah, we were family, too. Like, totally, totally. Yeah, hopefully he'll come out to the Rock Carnival and, and you know, you've yeah. got Alice Cooper at the Rock Carnival and Ryan Roxy, who's playing guitar with Alice, was on the Angels Never Die album. So that'll be interesting to see if uh, all of you get to, to hang out a bit at that Jersey show. Um, now, my old uh, bass player from uh, Warlock um, on the Tyson Avenue and Force Majeure, Tommy Hendricks, he's now the guitar player, actually, in Alice Cooper. He used to be our bass player, now he's the guitar player in Alice Cooper as well. So, That's right, I forgot. Uh, yeah. yeah, Tommy, by the way, is um, probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the rock uh, field. And the stuff he's done with Alice and then Hollywood Vampires it's yeah. just it's just stunning. I mean, he's yeah. So I, in fact, yeah, you'll 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 there'll be sort of a early Doro era reunion with with Ryan there and with <laughs> with Tommy there, and who knows, maybe Jack will come and say hello at the same time. Yeah, oh, this would be so great, and maybe we can do a little session on stage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I I would be totally up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally into that, too. Now, I do want to talk about Strong and Proud. Um, boy, 30 years in the career, that, that's, that's remarkable because a lot of people don't seem to understand that there's a million wannabe rock stars, but only, you know, half a dozen are able to have a one-album career and two-album career, and very rare are the 30 and 40 years. Uh, talk to me about reaching that milestone, and then let's talk a little bit about Strong and Proud, because that is just an incredible package that you put out earlier this year. You like, um, well, I'm so happy that we got it, and we could see, you know, it's, it's eight hours long, and you know, it starts out with Wacken, which is definitely one of my favorite metal festivals, and um, yeah, and then uh, there's this documentary on, which I think came out great, two hours, like, the People can really see, you know, the backstage stuff, the inside, like some really cool, unique stuff. And yeah, we worked on it for yeah, one and a half years straight. And we filmed one year all over the world. Like we celebrated third year anniversary, one year. Like, and um, yeah, and I never thought I would ever last that long. I thought maybe five, six, seven years, and then all the fun's over. But you know, I, I I love it so much and I learned to appreciate it so much. So, you know, sometimes you have to take the good with the bad and you have to hang in there when times are not on your side. Like in the 90s when Grunge was, you know, so big and troubled, metal couldn't fight a little bit. That was hard, it was hard. But, you know, I was thought, okay, and I play 
smaller venues, it doesn't matter. There were still enough metalheads and diehard fans there that we could still keep going. Actually, in 93, 95, we had a great, great time. Um, actually, it got hugely successful in some countries where we have never expected stuff. You know, even the, the fans know about us. So it was really cool. And, yeah, I always want to be singer. I always want to make people happy, give them energy and power. And, and it's, yeah, and I, when I started out, I didn't know that, you know, that it was, that it's something so sacred and I'm so grateful that we can still do it and um, yeah it's great to be a metalhead it's great to be part of the metal scene I love it I think metal people are great people they have the heart in, in the right spot it's in the right place they feel something they're passionate about something they believe in something they're loyal to the band it's, it's like the whole you know the, the whole metal lifestyle I love a different breed of people, I think. Were there times, though, because, you know, if you look at your discography, Angels Never Die was 93, Machine to Machine 95, Love Me in Black 98, Calling the Wild 2000. Like, you kept putting out albums. A lot of bands, if you look at Kiss or if you look at Def Leppard or if you look at even Metallica, they took sometimes seven years between albums. You kept going. Was there ever a time in all of that where you just said, what am I doing? Why don't I just, you know, go home and whatever, drive a bus or, or like, like, yeah. were there any times where you just said enough is enough? No, no, actually never, never. Even sometimes it was, it was hard to take, like, you know, like sometimes we did great records. For example, what you said, the angels never die, machine to machine, and lonely and black. And, and then, you know, I presented them to the record company. I said, yeah, the record is done. I think there's some awesome songs. I want to check it out. And the first thing was, yeah, is it grunge? I said, no, no, it's not grunge. I said, but it has, it has to be a little bit grunge, like sounding. And I said, no, man, I'm, I don't feel grunge. It's not grunge at all. And then I said, oh, okay, put it out. And I said, what? You want to listen to it? It's really cool, very unique. And sometimes I didn't even listen to the record, so it was so hard to take. And then in 1999, I felt the climate was getting better and I got the first phone calls in 2000 with the Calling the Wild album. We got the great tour with the legendary Ronnie James Dio and I felt, yeah, man, metal is getting bigger and bigger again. And that was so great to see and but it was tough, you know, like doing all these phone calls and then, you know, they didn't have any chance that people would see him or get him or hear him. I think now, you know, all the diehard fans, you know, probably the whole collection because diehards, they go to any length to get, you know, a record. And, and I had a great fan club, uh, which I still, you know, love that guy. His name is Tony Camella. He did our fan club in the States for many, many, many years. And he was always so upset. He said, oh, you have a huge following and then the records are not coming out. He said, can I help you? Can I do something? And I said, just do whatever you think is, you know, is cool. And he said, do I need permission? I said, just do what your heart tells you. And then suddenly we got four record deals on the table. And that was when we uh, put out the Calling the Wild album. And then Hutch in New York, he picked it up. And it was the first release in all these years in the States. And, you know, I thought, wow, that's exactly how I got my first record deal. Burning the Witches was actually the same in 1983. We had a little fan club and they sent out cassette tapes. And then suddenly we had like four record deals and we chose Mausoleum. It was a Belgian metal label. Right. And the logo looked 
cool and had two drops of blood on either hand. We had no idea about the business. We just thought, okay, it looks metal, that should be great. And um, and it reminds me a little bit on that, that definitely the people have the power, the fans have the power, and that's, that's so awesome. But yes, it was sometimes really difficult to hang in there. But I never... Never thought of giving up. Never. No, no. It was always there were always enough fans there who gave me so much motivation, inspiration, and it um, it almost didn't matter. Just yeah, the places got a little bit smaller. It wasn't the huge venues. It wasn't ten thousand people. It wasn't two thousand people. Um, you know, was, um, yeah. I never thought, oh, is that cool? Well, you know, smaller club. You can still stage dive. You know, cloud serving. You know, no debt. You know, no security. Just like you know, like full on metal or even smaller clubs. It's sometimes more fun. And, you know. Here's what I find amazing about all of this, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but if you go back from Warlock to Burning the Witches all the way up to Raise Your Fist, the longest you ever took between two albums was three years. Usually it would come out a year later or two years later. Three years was like, well, Doro took a vacation. But here we are in 2016, and it's been four years since the last. So this is the longest you've ever done between studio albums. Where do we see ourselves in terms of the next studio album? Because this is sort of unheard of that you take four years off or four years between albums. You're not you're not taking it off, obviously, because you're working. But you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, in a good way, but yeah, working on that DVD. Yeah, since it's like a live record and, and eight hours of footage. It, it's always it's, it takes longer than than you wish, but you know everything is nice. The details it has to look and sound awesome. And since we did so many DVDs, um, actually for all our anniversaries, the 20th anniversary, great guests and had Lenny and Mickey D as guests, and last 25th anniversary, the Scorpions came up and many other great guests. Then this time, I thought, man, you know, we need to really try harder to even top it. And yeah, it took like one and a half years. So, you know, I mean, in these one and a half years, you don't think of an album, you just want to try to make this DVD the best it can be. And then the live record, everything needs to be mixed. And so, yeah, so now we're in the making of a new record, and I hope it will come out next year, early next year. And we have already five songs. One song is dedicated to Lemmy, it's called Living Life to the Fullest. And there's some really, really cool songs on the way. I'm very excited about it. And we released yeah, one single. There was actually the song for a new album. But I thought it carries so much magic. I want to put it out right away. And there was Love Gone to Hell. I don't know if you've seen the video. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah and, and I thought, you never know what will happen. And then I thought, I, I have to use the momentum. I felt it so... Yeah, so heavy, and then I thought, yeah, I want to do something, not like a video with the iPhone, it should be top notch, like I was used to the 80s and 90s, and the big MTV productions were going on, and then I thought, oh, the, the song deserves something really classy, yeah, and then actually we had the idea, let's do it, you know, with crowdfunding, and then with the fans, and and yeah, and that was actually because of the fan support we got this awesome video and everybody got some special things like stuff. You can't get in your merch stuff. It was like, you know, my stage clothes or VIP lifetime pass, something really, really unique and valuable. Yeah, and then we got this video. But that was the first song for a new record and yeah. oh, let's let's So two thousand seventeen then. 
Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Five it's years. Until the end of December, yeah. And in December is another festival, the Farmland uh, Festival in Chicago that got moved to December. So, yeah, so we will have our last gig in December in Chicago and, and then going right back to the studio and working on, on you know, on the new songs and, yeah, mm. next next year. But, yeah, it's different now. Usually we were on tour and then going into the studio and going on tour again. And now, yeah, we are more on tour than ever. And, yeah, and the whole record industry changed. Right? It's not anymore like it used to be. So, yeah, and like one, La- two years in the studio, like, like yeah, now, we, we, we've spoken about Strong and Proud, and we've spoken about how you've worked with Udo over the years, and, and, and you have a great affinity for him he, he, and all that. Uh, let me ask you just real quick, because I know we have to go. A couple of guys that you worked with on here. Uh, first of all, one of my favorite guitarists, Uli John Roth. Uh, what was yeah. it like to have him? Because, I mean, you know, th- this guy is almost mythical. I mean, he's been in yeah. the scene since, I guess, the 60s, late you know, 70s at least. How was that? Just incredible tone. For so many guitar players, and yes, so so much feel, so much vibe, and that was that was great. Like yeah, and he's a very vibey, soulful guy. And we played actually a couple of times together at the all these monsters of rock cruises, like you know, and we met many times in some festivals. So we did it before, and then I said, oh, is it possible you come up for our thirty anniversary? He said, oh yes, I would, I would like that, and then. Yeah, he played Fema, which is one of our yeah. most important songs. You know? And then he did so great. And then in Wacken, it was awesome. So Uli is very, very nice. Super. And the so, guitar tone that he adds to that song is just... Yeah. It, it, no. Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Quickly, uh, Hansi from Blind Guardian. Now that... That is a, 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 a great combination, these two powerful voices doing rock till death. Uh, how was it to get Hansi on there? Because he, he, he's just, I mean, just a powerful vocalist. Yeah. Actually, uh, I, just, I just asked him if he, you know, if he wants to come up and you know, celebrate with us the 30th anniversary. And then you know, I said, oh, yeah, okay, which song should we, should we do? And then I uh, sent him a couple of songs, and then he said, oh, Rock to Death, I love. And I thought, yeah, cool. And actually, I think he sounds really, really awesome on it. I love that version, actually, the most. I think it's how oh, wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And we'll finish with this because I know, I know you have another interview. Uh, Fear of the Dark with Blaze Bailey. Blaze gets all kinds of, you know, Iron Maiden fans have been very diff- hard on him. Let's, let's call it that. Uh, but the version is great, and, and he's a great guy. So, so how was that getting Blaze on there? Yeah, actually, we're long-time friends. I met him, actually, one, when he was uh, filling in for uh, Bruce Dickinson, when he was in Iron Maiden, I thought, wow, great singer, great guy. And then we went on tour together many times, and we know each other well, and he's a great guy. Yeah, I asked him, and we did my time a tour with orchestra, and he was a guest on, and then, you know, we had this great, awesome orchestra version of your guitar, everybody singing along, we did it in Wacken, and, yeah, and then I said, shall we do it again on this? Thirty anniversary because the second performance I think it was a couple of years ago and yeah and I said yeah yeah you know let's, let's do it so yeah just like oh, actually when people are cool you know you just yeah call them up and say hey you got set time and you know and 
usually always, oh, yeah, let's do it. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's special and yeah. yeah, it really is. And and for those of you who, who don't have strong and proud 30 years of rock and metal, um, well, first, what are you waiting for? And second, go buy it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's that simple yeah. as that. And uh, Rock Carnival is on October 2nd. That is going to be absolutely stunning. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, it's a great pleasure. Thank you again, Doro. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. You're an awesome guy. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'll see you then on the 2nd of October. Yeah. You guys all there, all the metalheads, and thank you so much for all these great years, for all the support. I love you to death. Like, the metal fans are, yeah, the yeah. ones who I live for. That's, uh, you know, I always love that way, and it always will be that way. So. Thank you, Doro. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again okay. soon. Okay, okay, then I see you in your journey. I'm yes. Looking forward to see you again. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. Thank you too you now. Too. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, my interview with Doro. Always a great pleasure to speak with her. Please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon if you care to support the podcast. And with that, bye for now. Oh, my. <laughs>